0: doing a background check, we discovered something very,
1: very, very um, disturbing. Are you an accredited investor and looking to deploy capital into one of the strongest asset classes on the planet? If you said yes, I want to invite you to join me for a free webinar this week to show you some of the opportunities Blue Spruce has been focusing on. That link is in today's show notes. Enjoy today's episode. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast. Your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com.
2: Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast where we uncover innovative strategies you won't hear anywhere else. My name's Adam Adams. Today we have Bernard Ruiz in the house. Uh, He's going to be on the show and he's a CPA with Reshore and a private lender utilizing his 401k legally to invest in alternative assets that he can self-direct through checkbook control and get his money really working for him instead of it having to be tied up in the stock market speaking of which my business partner dj has a webinar sharing more of these strategies if you are an accredited investor and want to learn more about how you can take control of your money like bernard reese then check the show notes right now for the webinar link. DJ and I are excited to share this education with you, our listeners. So go now to the show notes so you can be a part of that webinar. I'm excited to cover this challenge that Bernard has. Uh, He faced this challenge when he was private lending and how he got through it. So you guys are going to learn exactly how he got through that challenge. We'll also discuss two of his deals in depth. Also, I've been getting just a ton of five-star ratings lately. I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everybody who's going there uh, this week. Rusty, Brad, Dusty, thanks for taking the time out of your day to share that positive feedback and about our show. I'd love to get you three a free gifts. So to do that, all I need is for you to just take a screenshot of your five-star rating and just send me an email to adam at realbluespruce.com, and I'll get you that free gift. Uh, The last thing that I really wanted to touch on uh, before I bring on Bernard, I wanted to invite you to see me on stage with uh, my friend, Rod Cleef. I don't know if you guys have heard of Rod Cleef; He's outstanding, but I'm going to be with him in Chicago this August. So there's a discount code. If you want to just scroll down in the show notes, you'll find that discount code. Rod and I want to see you do your first apartment deal within the next 90 days. And that'll only happen if you take massive action right now and go get your ticket, and I'll see you in Chicago. Welcome to the show, Bernard. Give us a little background on you.
0: Yeah, great to be around in First week. Great to be on the show. Great to share my experience with the listeners. Uh, and my introduction to real estate came from, I'd say, two places. Uh, one is a professional and having clients uh, that invest in real estate. Uh, and secondly, from having friends, family, and acquaintances uh, that have dabbled in real estate. And observing them, I've seen the, the incredible upside, the incredible potential that real estate presents to almost anybody out there. Uh, some of us can get involved actively, some of us passively, some of us get involved passively as a bridge to getting involved actively, uh, and that's what led me to it. And it's, it's been great, and I encourage all my clients to, to get involved in real estate. Whether they've got a business or they're, get, they're getting a W-2, they should get involved one way or another.
2: Awesome, Bernard. Really looking forward to this interview. So, my first question is, of the three deals you've done, is that cash or is that using your retirement funds?
0: So, it's a combination of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've put both private money in and the retirement accounts. We use uh, checkbook retirement accounts. We we encourage our clients to the extent possible to use them. Uh, We use them ourselves. Uh, Blending the money, actually mixing the private funds with the retirement fund is a bit tricky, okay. uh, it's doable. Uh, we've actually brought other family members into these deals, which adds another level of complexity because as I'm sure you're well aware, there are prohibited transaction rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but we've, we, we've mixed it up uh, and we've tried to maximize and that being getting into deals, you need to have a certain critical mass of cash. Uh, although the deals that I've done have not been in my locale, I'm in New York City, uh, Private lending in New York City requires uh, institutional lenders usually. Yeah. Uh, but going out uh, you know, to areas where you get more cash flow and the deers are more affordable. Uh, but even there, there's a threshold and it helps to pool funds.
2: What was the strategy you did on the one in North Carolina?
0: So that was actually a very, very tricky deal. It was a flip. It was a rehab, a fix and flip. I mean, everything seemed great. The, you know, the ARV checked out. And you know, maybe we shouldn't take anything for granted um, on the podcast. Uh so when we say IRV, we're referring to the after repair value. Um, you know, let's back up a couple of steps. (laughs) When you look at a a private lending deal or any kind of lending deal, you've got to have your investment objective. Uh so for some lenders, they're actually hoping to foreclose on the property. Uh and and that's maybe more prevalent, perhaps, you know, the real estate space, you'll find out with tax liens and tax deeds. Uh, as, as, a, as a private lender and somebody that is looking to be involved passively, you know, it's not what I was looking for. We we're looking to have consistent checks coming in, um, giving us those 10 to 15 percent um, returns that beat the stock market any day uh, and looking at the property as kind of a last resort. That's security um, that gives us the ability you know, to go out and do that deal and lend the money because we're, you know, we're comfortable, we're not going to lose our money. So when, when analyzing the deal, uh, you've got to figure out what you're lending against um, and the amount of security. So even though it's a it's a last recourse, it's a last resort, uh, you've got to think about that up front. So when you lend, you don't want to be lending $100,000 against a property that you could only sell for 50 because then you have very limited security. Uh, and again, you know, there's a risk. There are many factors. You may calibrate that. You may say, you've got a diversified portfolio. You may be ready to take on more risk and say, okay, for 20% interest and 10 points up front, I'll do that. Uh, but that's not, that's, not, that's not our strategy. So we're looking for security. So we have to assess what the property is worth up front at the initiation of the deal um, and what the anticipated value is going to be um, after it's rehabbed. And with this deal, everything seemed great. The ARV seemed good. But then, you know, doing a background check, we discovered something very, very, very um, disturbing. So the person doing the deal uh, actually had a criminal record. Uh, so th- that's something that's very troubling. And I'm not, obviously not going to provide any details about that. Uh, but that makes you take a step back and want to restructure the deal and make sure you're really, really secure. And so, a couple of things that we implemented, uh, and, and these are things that you, you can do on any deal, uh, but they add to the frictional cost. and ultimately, you wanna get the deal, and you want the borrower you know, to take your money. You know, you want, you're looking for a win-win, ultimately. This is supposed to be a win for the investment sponsor and a win for the lender. The, you know, the borrower's got a real estate deal, they've gotta move quickly, they can't get money from the bank to do the kind of things that they wanna do, they're mm-hmm. going to turn to your money yeah. and we're hoping we want to see the borrower get a 50% ROI even after paying um, the private lender fees. Um, yeah. That means it's a good deal for us. If it's a good deal for the, for the borrower, it's a good deal for us. Uh, but so one of the things that, that we're implemented is uh, we actually only advanced funds initially um, adequate to take it to the next step. So the rehab is broken out into phases. Uh, and you don't give them all the money up front. So if you know the after the ARV um, is is eighty thousand dollars, and you're going to lend them sixty thousand dollars, rather than giving them all the funds up front, you say, okay, you've got to do the the HVAC. Okay, we're going to give you the money for the HVAC. When we see that that's done, we'll advance the funds for the next step. And this way, you're able to kind of protect yourself. Uh, you know the value is there uh, because if, if you advance all those funds and a borrower decides to drop the ball on you, you've got a property halfway across the country that you've got to fix up.
2: And you have a full-time job. Exactly, <laughs>
0: and that's, that's, that's exactly what we were looking for.
2: I have to ask, how well did you know this borrower? Was he your friend? <laughs> no, no,
0: that, was, that wasn't somebody that I knew well. Um, and and that, that's one kind of lending and you gotta be comfortable with it. And, and I wouldn't say that that's something that everybody or anybody should do. It, it's a lot about your comfort level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you control the funds, though, you're able to take those those risks, uh, you know. And, and contrasting this with, uh, you know, putting your money into a mutual fund, which again everything has its pros and cons. Uh, but you know, when when you're directing the funds, you can decide what risks you want to take and you're willing to accept, and you can implement these kind of strategies to mitigate those risks, um, and you can feel really really comfortable.
2: I appreciate you going over that. It's a lot of good information. For the two deals you have in Connecticut, which one is the most interesting?
0: Okay. So the Waterbury deals, I'd say, are interesting from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, those were much simpler, and those were actually done with people that I know personally. Uh, and so that's the sticky areas over there are more personal than technical. Uh, and, and I'd say that anybody that wants to explore private lending, the low-hanging fruit are the people that you know. Uh, the people that you know present the greatest opportunities, but they also present some of the greatest risks. Because if it doesn't turn out well, uh, Thanksgiving turkey is never going to taste the same.
2: Bernard, I really appreciate you sharing all these details on your own investments with the listeners. I know you have a unique perspective to all this, especially as a CPA. I know there's a lot of listeners out there that have funds available, like you did, in their retirement accounts that can be self directed into you know interesting alternative assets like you have been doing and i think it's great to hear that you've been doing all this while you have a full-time job i want to hear more about some of the innovative strategies you're doing in your company what would that be all right with you to kind of switch gears
0: yeah let's do it
2: okay so you're a cpa and you've done lots of strategies for your clients like checkbook control ira checkbook control 401k and there's a lot of there is also a strategy that you're using on how to structure business entities. Isn't that correct?
0: Um, yes. Okay. Um, I, they all, the big thing is all these various pieces um, really fit together like a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, and, and we saw a need to, to bring it in house so that we can, we can assemble these and in, in, in the optimal way, you know, you have oftentimes what you'll have is one fellow who's promoting investments somebody else who's promoting a particular tax strategy. Uh, and the accountant or CPA takes a kind of passive role. He's focused on the tax return and putting the numbers in there and not thinking about the bigger picture. Or even if he'd like to, he doesn't have the tools uh, to do so and to implement it. So we brought this in-house uh, to try to be able to give our clients a way to do things in a way that's optimal um, and mm-hmm. to give us the broader picture.
2: So what does that look like?
0: So we, we focus on... know there's the compliance piece obviously uh and then there's the the tax strategy investment strategy and something that we you know that we focus on we've kind of built out into a separate division are the entity formations and the self-directed retirement accounts Uh, as as cpas what we see oftentimes with our own clients uh and with clients of other cpas uh, you know and tax returns that we see from prior years we see people You know, year-end, their tax preparer CPA will say, it'll be good for your taxes if you put money into a SEP IRA. It'll be good for your taxes if you put money into an IRA. And then the money just sits there. Yeah, It it does nothing. Uh, And and it gets forgotten about. The CPA has done his job because the tax return looks better. uh, But then those funds are not utilized and optimized. Uh, So we like to do is say, you can improve your tax return by using these strategies, and then you can improve your overall financial plan by maximizing the value of these funds, putting them to real estate, uh, and that varies. There are so many different ways to do it, uh, and we encourage our clients to learn. Private lending is one of the best ways to learn, though, because okay. you can you can get into that deal, you can see the deal, uh, and people want to work with you in, in real estate. Capital is something that's needed. Uh, really you're in real estate. And everybody needs capital, and uh, whatever kind of deal you're doing, whether you're syndicating, whether you're doing a fix and flip, whether you're doing your small single-family rentals, everybody needs capital. Yeah. And if somebody's willing to provide capital, there's a certain kind of credit um, that you'll give them, and you'll work with them, uh, and they're entitled to. If they're putting money into the deal, um, as I said, they've got to see the deal to get comfortable with it. Uh, and I tell any private lenders. If the investment investment sponsor doesn't want to give you visibility into the deal, Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably not somebody you want to work with.
2: That's sound advice. Glad you brought that up. Next question I had for you. What would you say to someone who didn't believe that you could self-direct a 401k?
0: So that's unequivocally something that can be done. um, And we encounter resistance to that all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, As part of the service that we provide, uh, you know, it's kind of end to end. It's not just setting it up. Uh, our clients get checkbook control, which means they end up with having a bank account that they directly control from which they can write checks. So if they've got a quick deal to fund, they control it. There are no transaction fees. Uh, it makes it very cost efficient and very flexible. Now, one of the things that we help them with is getting the bank account opened. Mm-hmm. So we have some connections, some bankers okay. that work with us and are happy to open these accounts. Uh, but we also give our clients the option of opening the account at any bank that they choose. And what happens inevitably is they'll walk into their local branch and they're going to say, I, I want to open up an account. And they'll sit down with the banker. And the bank will see something about IRA and say, Oh, we've got to talk to the folks in our IRA department or our, uh, you know, their financial advisor. Yeah. And then they go over to financial advisor and he says, um, We want to open an IRA for you. And they try to explain that, No, I don't need an IRA. I just need a bank account. Or I'm. I don't need a 401k. I've got my own 401k plan. I just need a bank account, and this financial advisor will say this is illegal. You can't do this, yeah. um, and that's because they feel they feel threatened because these are these are funds that they want to take into their accounts um, and charge you fees for managing. Um, so we get a lot of resistance over there. But it, unequivocally, there's no question that that can be done.
2: Another large part of it is that some banks literally don't know that you're allowed to do it. For instance, I. I had an IRA representative in front of me the other day, and I was speaking with her um, just recently. And she, she said that she thought that I would go to jail. She said, you, there's no way you can um, put your retirement money into real estate. You're going to go to jail to do that. So obviously, there's a lot of misinformation going around, um, even in the reps that work for these companies that kind of leave them naive to the fact that they're able to do all of this. So how does your company help combat that?
0: So we, we try to do it, um, you know, to, to be efficient. We we initially begin with, uh, you know, we've got a lengthy post on our website that kind of outlines everything the banker could possibly want to know. And yeah. we say, share this with the banker. Uh, if that doesn't work, we get on the phone and we talk to the bankers. Uh, and, and some banks are, are a no-go and some banks are happy to do it. And some bankers, you just really got to get the right person or the right department. Uh, We've been dealing with some banks where one person will say, this can't be done. And and the other person will say, of course we can do this. And and to take this even further, something really incredible that we've got, there's one bank. And and, um, on the podcast, I prefer not to use actual names of banks. But there's one bank that's a no-go. Absolute no-go. But among our clients are compliance People that lead the compliance teams of those banks, so they're on the compliance team of those banks at their own bank, where they lead the compliance team. They can't do it, but we have them set up at other banks. E- each bank's got its own approach, uh, and, and we've had bankers at some of these banks. You know, where they where they say, you know, we'll, we'll set it up for you. We know that you know the bank overall may not want to do it, but but we'll do it. But we, we don't want to do that. We want to be all, all you know in the clear with banks that are happy to set up this account don't see it as a conflict with their other lines of business and are happy to take this kind of set up these kind of accounts and take this kind of business
2: excellent this is a fun conversation i could stay on call with you all day i think i could learn quite a bit i love all the content you're giving the listeners but We are probably getting to the point where we need to, you know, get ready wrap it up and move into the final five. But first, uh, would you have maybe one or two things you could share to the listeners, something that you think they need to hear?
0: Okay. The first thing, um, not unique, um, to what I do, but I I encourage everybody to get involved in real estate in one form or another. Uh, there are so many ways to do it. You can do it passively. You can get involved with syndicators, uh, and, and a way to get into that, uh, it can be life-changing. The opportunity that's there is—it's nationwide, and, and everybody should do that. That's the first key thing. Get involved in real estate, one form or another. Great. Uh, the second thing I'd say is the way to do it uh, for many people is to use um, this—you know—the funds that you've got, maximize the value. Uh, self-directed retirement accounts for many people provides the key into real estate. That's where their funds are tied up. Their funds are locked up. And and you can use that to get in, get acquainted with the people in your neighborhood, get involved with the local REI, uh, get with people that do deals. And the people that do deals are busy people. Finding deals, sourcing deals, and moving deals along is very time consuming. But if they see that you're genuinely interested and you have something to offer them, Mm -hmm. they're very happy to work with you. Great
2: stuff. We're going to have a quick word from my friend, Rod Cleef and then we'll get right into the final five.
1: I'm Rod Cleef and I'm host of the Lifetime Cashflow to Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm also an apartment investor, and I've owned over 2,000 homes and apartments so far in my career. Now, on August 24th through the 26th, I'm going to be hosting a three-day multifamily boot camp in Chicago. And I've asked Adam Adams to be an expert on a panel there with some other members of our multifamily mastermind group. Now, if you're like me and you realize you learn so much better in full immersion at a live event with no distractions and you actually want to do your next apartment deal within the next 90 days or so, you need to text multifamily to 41411 or go to multifamilybootcamp.com right now take massive action because this event's definitely going to sell out. We've got fantastic early bird pricing right now. So don't wait. Go to multifamilybootcamp.com or text the word multifamily to 41411. And Adam and I look forward to seeing you in person in Chicago, August 24th through the 26th.
2: All right. Well, we've gone over a lot of creative stuff that you've done so far. So maybe my first question today should be, What's the smallest amount that you've seen somebody uh, invest from their retirement account and make a profit?
0: That's a, that's a tough one because the numbers can be the numbers really do range from five thousand dollars to several hundred thousand dollars um, in terms of you know what you see. Uh, but I'd say the threshold begins um, at three thousand dollars, which for some people may sound low, but it's really it's really doable. Um, and the fees can be, you got it. The key is to do it in a way that's cost efficient mm-hmm. um, and find, and, and usually when you're doing it, that kind of funds, people are looking to tax liens and deeds or pooling resources.
2: Great, great. Yeah, I was hoping to be able to inspire my listeners who might be there sitting on the sidelines saying, I've only got three or five grand and I want to get in the game, but I can't buy a house. So I'm, I'm glad that you shared that with my listeners. Um, how low that you've seen people buy. Uh, assets with a retirement account. Where were you five years ago, and where will you be five years from today?
0: Five years ago, starting a career, um, thinking about the traditional route, and ironically, uh, when I got out of school, um, I had you know I had actually had offers from the nation's largest and most prestigious accounting firms. Against no no names mentioned, but but the biggest of the biggest, and. And the route that I took is to be more entrepreneurial, um, figure out how to use my skills um, to build a business and to help others in a way that's unique as opposed to kind of getting on that conveyor belt um, and following that, you know, plain vanilla route. Uh, in five years, uh, I'd say I love what I do, but I am currently looking for some larger real estate deals. And who knows? You know, we find those deals. We, if we do well on those deals, those are just game changers.
2: Absolutely. What's a book you recommend?
0: This is not a real estate book. The Drunkard's Walk by okay. Leonard Mladenow. Uh And I'll briefly tell you what, that, what, what the key takeaway that book is. It can be Please. kind of technical, it, it's about statistics and randomness, um, a lot of very technical stuff. The real key takeaway of the book, and it's the final chapter, is that life presents so many opportunities for those that pursue opportunity. If you chase opportunity, you're going to strike gold somewhere. You have to keep rolling that die. Keep rolling those dice. Um, if you don't roll the dice, you're not going to get anywhere. Roll them as many times as you can. And things will happen.
2: Sounds like a cool book. The drunkards walk. Uh, how do you give back?
0: by um, like a couple of different ways. One of the things that we like to do is among clients um, and not even amongst clients, making connections between people. Uh, you know, we deal with lots of people. And people are looking for things, people looking for different, people looking for deals, people looking for advice. If we can make those
2: connections, we make them. Okay. And how do people find you or your company? So
0: the, the two great ways to do that. One is our website, which is 401kcheckbook.com, as in 401k plan. So 401kcheckbook.com. And I'll provide my direct email address, which is bernard at ResureFinancial.com. That's R-E-S-U-R-E Financial.com.
2: All right, your website and your email are now in the show notes so the listeners can get a hold of you. Thank you for being such a great
1: guest on the show. Adam, thank you. Great being here. Look forward to being in touch. Take care. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our hope to add a ton of value to you. That said, Blue Spurs Holdings is excited to be offering investment opportunities to accredited investors. That link is in today's show notes.